God's house. Amen. Can we give God just another shout of praise? It's already done. It's already done. It's already done. It's already done. Take your Bibles and find 2 Corinthians, please. Let's start in part 2 of our series. 2 Corinthians, please. Find chapter 11. So glad you're here today. If you're here and your first time, first time in a long time, my name's Jeff, and I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, it's an honor to stand and just open his word and just be able to read it, share what God laid on my heart. Thank you. Thank you for being here. We're talking about the bride. We're talking about the church. God has given me such a burden for the church the last few months, really. And it's <clears throat> the burden is for the church, but the burden is for the local church. The local church, for whatever reason, has lost her relevancy and been replaced with being trendy, the local church has kind of been put on the back burner because emphasis has been put in other places. Putting emphasis in other places isn't always a bad thing, but we can't neglect or negate the power and the need for the local church. Amen, Jeff. Paul understood that. He was a church planter. If there wasn't a need for the local church, a local body of believers that come together in unity, like-minded, um, then Paul wasted a ton of time. Amen? Amen? Because he planted churches all over the place, took the gospel to places that were he not to go the gospel would not have perhaps got to that region, that continent. But I, I want to really dig a little deeper. And you got kind of one of three ways that you're going to hear this today. You're going to, you're going to hear this and get extremely frustrated. Or you're going to hear it and think I'm meddling in your business and, and I'm about three inches from legalism, or you're going to let it settle in your spirit and agree with his word, not with his messenger. Because, honestly, my opinion means nothing. But God's opinion means everything. So I want us to go to his word. What does he say about the church? What does the writers of scripture say about his church. And I want living water to align with what the Bible says about his church. I had the comment made in jest to me uh, after last week that that, that that was like an old-fashioned message. And it kind of, it didn't hurt me, but it kind of made me sad. 
that preaching about the church is old-fashioned. <laughs> Ain't that funny? When, when did that change? When, when did we turn that corner? Because that's a problem. Let's read the word together. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I just want to read verses 1 through 6 and then keep your Bibles open because we are going to be everywhere. Are you with me today? Yes. You go help me preach this? Yes. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm counting on you. I'm, I'm counting on you. Trust me, I'm counting on you. Verse 1, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness, Paul said. <laughs> I like Paul. Please bear with me, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promise you, this is where I got the title for the message. I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. I'm going to say it again. I, I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. He's talking to the church. Talking to believers, the saved, born again, regenerated. We've got a ton of backgrounds in this room, so whatever you called it, as long as Jesus was the one relied on for the forgiveness of your sins, you call it anything you want. I don't get hung up on that. So he's talking to the church, he's talking to believers, but he happens to be writing to local churches. The local churches in Corinth, who, by the way, got it wrong more than they got it right. If you read First and Second Corinthians, the first and the second letter Paul wrote to Corinthians, a whole lot of um, correction going on. So, if you're listening, by the way, a podcast or in this room, and you're going to plant your own church, don't don't call it Corinthian Church. Of God, don't, just don't do that. I've seen that across the country as I've traveled, and just don't, just don't call it that. That's mm. Or read, read Corinthians, and, and then if you still want to, you might want to change churches. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure an undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Hold that right there. Thank you. It, oh, that's okay. She said, I'm sorry. It's the nicest people in the world in this church. Now, now I want you to look at the comparison here because it's kind of, it's important that we get this or, or you'll think I'm just ranting. Paul, Paul had a fear that somehow the devotion to the church, the de devotion to the one husband, Jesus Christ. That, that there was going to be a corruption that got in because like Eve, they were deceived. The, 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 Paul is concerned, Jeff Burke is concerned, you should be concerned, and I believe you are to some degree. Maybe not at the level that I am. Because our callings may be different. But I believe that there is a deception that has crept into the church. And the deception that has crept into the church is, God didn't say that. 
not what he meant. Because see, that's what he did to Eve. So, so Paul had a strong concern that through cunning ways, our enemy was going to infiltrate the church, change the context of his word to make it say what we want it to say and say we do it to reach more people. Now you can change. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Yikes. I added that. Yike, the yikes part. Or a different kind of spirit than the one you received. Yikes, yikes. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. I said it last week, I'll say it again, and I, I hope I don't say it 50 more times. We have replaced grace and mercy with abundance of love. I'll say it again. We have went at all costs to show love to people. And I would add, we should. But we can't do it and forsake the message of the gospel, the grace, mercy of Jesus Christ. And we think because we are going overboard with love and serving and whatever, we should be doing that. But if we're not doing that, with the gospel message coming out of our mouth? What are we accomplishing? Because a good deed, the unchurched, unsaved, unbeliever can do. A good deed followed and embraced and engulfed and enveloped by the Spirit of the living God, only a Christ follower can do. Amen. It's a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. He goes on and says, but I don't consider myself inferior to any of these, quote, super apostles. <laughs> Who teach such things. It, it, let, me, let, me put, let, me, let me put this in 2019 here. Um, he's saying, um, I, I don't feel inferior to the megachurches that will do whatever they do to do what they do. I'm not inferior to that because I'm not going to change my message because my message is one message, and that is Jesus Christ came to this earth was beaten beyond recognition, hung on a cross, shed his blood, died. They put him in the side of a hill. Three days later, he came out of the tomb. That's the mess. So I am not inferior. I don't care what size the church is, and I don't care what. It doesn't matter. I don't feel inferior. Paul said, I don't feel inferior to the super apostles because I know that it ain't about me. And Jeff Burke says, 
He knows it ain't about him. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't consider myself inferior in any way to super apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, amen, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way, verse 11, or verse 1 through 6. And last week we asked the question, is the church necessary? And we concluded at the end of the message that yes, the church is necessary, and the church is necessary because of another letter that Paul wrote to a young pastor that had a church plant. His name was Timothy. In 1 Timothy 3, the second half of verse 15 says, This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. This church, Living Water Dayton, is the church of the living God that lifts up, has a foundation, and elevates the gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ himself. That is why the local church is necessary. Because it is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And Paul's whole purpose for writing to Timothy was to warn him of dangers of the way people conduct themselves in the house of God. We talked about it last week. I'm not going to unpack it. What I will do is read 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, and then we're going to mogate on forward. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. In other words, he thought this was so important that he didn't want to be late. If something were to happen to him, He put the message before his own safety. He put the message before his self. If he got sick, if he got lost, fill in the blank. He said, this message has to get to you. So he says, I'm writing these things to you even though I hope to be with you soon so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. King James Version, New King James says, house of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And as we continue this week, I want you to know how much I love the church of Jesus Christ. I love Jesus' bride. I don't tolerate people talking about Jesus' bride. Like I hope, if you're here, men, and you're married, you don't let people talk about your bride. You let somebody start throwing down on your bride. We're in the parking lot. Well, you guys are. I'm I'm not. I'll get robbed. You know how it works around here. I love the church, and I, I found that my love for the church grows as my love for Jesus Christ grows. And even though I love her, she has some problems. Amen. Come on now. That's let's let's. Let's, let's not try to put on our Sunday best here. We, got to, we need to have another family meeting. Are you with me? The, 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 the bride has some problems. And here how, here's how this entire series is going to play out. I'm going to identify some burdens God has laid on my heart that he clearly has commanded that I talk about. But we're not going to end there because what good is it to start declaring that the, there's problems if we don't declare some answers? Amen. So we're going to talk, we've got to uncover the wound 
And then we're going to give applicable solutions to the issues that you and I see in the local church, but we may have chosen to turn our head the other way because we don't want to start a ripple. So even at first you may think I'm negative at heart or cynical. I'm just asking you to hear it out as I try my best to tell the rest of the story. Because there's a story about the church. The big church and the local church. And it begins with Jesus. See, you know and I know, and, and this is not living water's right and everybody's wrong. Living water has her own set of problems. Amen. But we, we all have been to other churches. We all have been to great churches. Amen. I'm glad you pulled into this parking lot. You passed good churches to get here. You did. But we've all been in church services, and we've been in Christian environments that are anemic. They are weak. They're, the enemy has crept in and kind of smothered the whole thing in apathy and complacency. And if that weren't bad enough, we kind of we just embrace self-indulgence. We embrace our self-righteousness instead of lifting up as a foundation and pillar of the truth the righteousness of Jesus. I, I weep when I know God is in a place and He came to do something and He can't. You're like, dude, God can do anything He wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he can. But your Bible says that Jesus went to a place and because of their unbelief, it didn't say he should not or would not. It said he could not do miraculous things. Period. So he, this is in your book. So he just healed a bunch of folk. You missed that. He couldn't do miracles. So he just healed a bunch of people. Go Jesus, right? We've all been in... Churches and God help us that we will not be self-righteous and finger-pointing. I pray we look in the mirror. Amen. And we've created environments, or I should say environments have been created where the Spirit of God can't move. He can't operate in an environment where He is not welcome. Did you hear me? You said, but I thought you said this is God's house. It is God's house. It is God's house. But see, God, the spirit of the living God does not come here and move in and out of the pews and rest on you and, and whisper in your ear or shout in your ear or speak to your heart, whatever. He doesn't do that by grabbing you in a spiritual headlock 
and giving you a chicken wing until you say uncle, and then you decide, man, i got to listen to what the Spirit's saying, or this is going to turn out bad. I want you to understand, you need to listen to what the Spirit's saying, or it will turn out bad. But he's not going to come in and start knocking doors down. He doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. He can't if we've laid our backward thinking heads in the lap of the world and called it ministry. He cannot and he will not work. So a question is, what would make the spirit feel unwelcome? What would make the spirit feel unwelcome? I would suggest it's because he won't share his glory or his control with anyone. Nor should he. Amen. He certainly will not take up habitation with the unholy. Did you hear me? Father, I just bless your word this morning and I thank you for the honor and privilege to open your word. I pray, God, that as your word goes forth, we have prepared ourselves in worship to receive. May seeds be sown. And may they take root. And may we become the pure bride that you deserve. And Jesus, it's in your name we pray these things. Amen and amen. Think about it with me. If a person who is saved, born again, Christ follower, if, if they're filled with the Spirit, they, they have a power within them that is really indescribable. Uh, we're going to talk about it a, a, a little later, but they can do things they never knew they could do. Um, they are able to capture their thoughts before they get out of control. There, there, there's just a, a difference in an individual where the Holy Spirit is alive and well inside of them and they are obedient to the voice of the Spirit. There is a difference between someone like that and someone who has become apathetic and has somehow, somewhere, some way changed what they said the Bible said and changed their belief system and their thought process and they have mixed up that which is holy with that which is unholy. I draw your attention to, and you know the story, so I'll do it very quickly, to the book of Judges. You can turn there if you want. It's in chapter 16 Let's read verse 17 and then jump to 19 through 21. This is the story of Samson. Samson. The strongest man alive in that day. And he was that powerful because of the glory and the spirit of God. And because he had taken the Nazarite vow and 
chose to live a holy and consecrated, set-apart life, part of the Nazarite vow was never cut your hair. He didn't get his power from his hair. He got his power from his God. But, but the hair part was just an act of discipline. It's a, it's a word you don't hear much about, but it's called discipline. We need some. We need more. Amen. And the Philistines wanted to figure out how this cat was so strong. Because he didn't, he didn't look overly strong. Or they would have not wondered how he was so strong. If you read the whole chapter and read the whole story of Samson. They, they were puzzled. What gives him this kind of strength? So it wasn't like he was a giant or a mountain of a man. Verse 17 of Judges 16 says, Samson shared his secret with her. That her there is Delilah. You, you've heard her name. And, and when he did this, when, when he shared his secret, it was a horrible scene. He, he, he had to know what was to come because he took the Nazarite vow. He had to know what was to come because his mommy and daddy, they raised him up right. Come on now. He had to know what was to come. He faced the choice between faithfulness to God and continuing an ungodly relationship with that which represents the world. I'm going to say it again. He had a choice to stick with and be faithful to the living God or compromise and continue a relationship with the world. Represented by Delilah. Continuing, the Bible says, My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become weak as anyone else. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength had left him. Then she cried out, Samson, exclamation point. The Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as I have done so many times. I'm going to stretch a little bit and I'm going to shake myself free. Oh, but he lost his power. So many of the church lost their power. Lost their power. If you would just read the Gospels of all the things Jesus said you could do, you, you wouldn't trade that for anything if you believed. I'm going to do what I always did and I'm going to shake them off just like before. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. He didn't realize that the Lord had left him. Mm. That is heartbreaking to me. A man who was called, set apart, to accomplish the will of God. 
didn't even realize the Lord wasn't going with him anymore. That the Spirit of God had left him. And this happened. So the Philistines captured him, gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains. He was forced to grind grain in the prison. When Jesus isn't the Lord of his people, which means he isn't the Lord of the church because the people make up the church. Are you with me? Then the Lord cannot operate in power through the individuals, which means he cannot operate in power in the church. He leaves. Spirit. You have to create an atmosphere where the presence of God wants to exist. Are you feeling me yet? When he leaves, here's what happens to you and to me in the house of God. We'll use Samson as our model. They lose their power. Your Bible says the Philistines captured him. Yes. They lose their vision. They gouged out his eyes. They gouged out his eyes. On your own time, read how this story ends. He asks for one thing. He wants his eyes back. They fall back into bondage. Remember, he was bound. And they make zero progress in their life. He was forced to grind grain. And the way they did that was he was on a wheel, just like the movie. And he goes around and around and around and around. How many have done that in your life? And around and around and around. And you're, you're moving, but you ain't going anywhere. The power of God has left. So, since this is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. I think it's time we come to a full understanding of who's in control. Last week I asked you, is the church necessary? Today we will answer question number two, and it is, who's calling the shots? Who's calling the shots? Who's calling the shots in the church? Who's calling the shots in your life? Now, the Sunday school answer is the right answer. Jesus. Because that's the answer to every Sunday school question. That is the right answer. But I am asking you, since this is a family meeting, that you would look inwardly and be gut level honest with yourself as I have had to be and ask, who's calling the shots? Who's calling the shots? In the church, in your life, Matthew 28, verse 18. Oh, I love this verse. Matthew 28, verse 18. Your Bible and my Bible says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given, say the next two words aloud, please. Now say it like you believe it. 
He did not say some. He did not say occasionally. He said he had been given all authority. That word all is so interesting. It doesn't just mean everything. It means always. Jesus said, I've been given all authority, not just in heaven, but on this planet, earth. I told you this might get a little touchy. It might get uncomfortable. But I want to talk to you, living water. And don't get mad at me, because as far as I know, no, nobody like drug you here. If they did, let me know, because that's awesome. But, but, but I don't think anybody did that, so I have to believe that you at least have a desire to know how living water can bring fire down from heaven. Amen. Oh, is that why you're here today? How can we become a better, more powerful, spirit-filled church for God? If that's you, raise your hand. Yes. If, it, if it's not, then, then just, just, you, know, you can just listen or balance your checkbook. I don't know what you, you do. I mean, watch the, the game on your phone if you want. Just keep the volume down because I know nothing about football and if, I'll think you're amen in me. There you go. Yeah. Thanks for encouraging me on, brother. Matthew 28, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. John verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 12. Now, hear the words of Jesus Christ, please. I tell you the truth. Pause. Did Jesus have to qualify that he was telling the truth? No. No, no. But he did so, so that anyone within earshot would understand, even though he was incapable of lying. He wanted everybody to know that the human part of him was even telling the truth. So, so basically, he had all the truth bases covered. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone, anyone, Jeff, Tom, Tammy, anybody, anyone, who believes in me will do the same works I have done and, not or, and even greater works. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater work. It's still Jesus doing the miracles, but the miracles will grow in magnitude if we are in alignment with Jesus Christ. He left behind you and I, he left behind his disciples, flip over into Acts, and you can read all about how they changed the world, but he left behind a victorious group of Christ followers who were to spread his kingdom message further than he did on this earth. They were given the message, and they were to go and spread Spread the gospel. That was their assignment. And while he was here in his man suit, his earth suit, while Jesus was here, the miracles that he did and the, the way he operated and his attitude, his thought process, his, the way he spoke to people, the way he dealt with situations and issues in people's lives. Listen, what he is saying is 
anyone who believes in him, in other words, anyone who is a Christ follower, who has given their life to Jesus and the Spirit of God is in control of their life, they will not just do what Jesus did. Your Bible and my Bible says it, so I ain't going to ignore it. We should be doing more greater works. Now, another question. If Jesus has all authority over everything, does he? Yes. yes. And if he has all authority over earth and heaven, including the church, the big church, and including living water, and since the local church is his plan for spreading the gospel, we are plan A, there is no plan B. And if we are doing more miracles, signs, and wonders than Jesus himself, then what the heck happened? Come on now. Let's have an honest conversation. What in the cat hair happened? What happened? How did we derail the message of Jesus Christ? If we amen the junk out of that. He has all authority. And he, well, here's the answer, I believe. And the answer is we have replaced Jesus as Lord over the church. And we have placed ourselves in that position. We have dethroned the rightful king and created boards and committees And put individuals in power instead of biblical authority. And it has created an atmosphere where the shot caller isn't Jesus. The shot caller isn't the Spirit of God. The shot caller is however the vote goes in the business meeting. Daggone, I, I know I'm right. I lived it. I lived it. I'm thankful for all that I was taught and learned. But I'm telling you, a voting paradigm in a business meeting setting, I, it, it didn't feel right with me when I was a little kid. Because... I always rooted for the underdog. Always have, always will. I'll always go after the one. Always. But listen, a voting situation is designed so that someone loses. <laughs> I never, Jesus never created an environment where somebody loses. We have replaced Jesus as the Lord over the church and we placed ourselves in the position now whether we like it or not he's still Lord and in the next few minutes I want to tell you what it looks like now that we have replaced Jesus on the throne in the church I would ask you if you're taking notes to write this down 
Jesus is still Lord, but he is a Lord that is unrecognized. Jesus is still Lord, but he is a Lord unrecognized. A Lord not given credit. Come on, somebody. A Lord unrecognized. Today, Jesus is more of a rallying point. Instead of being the deity that he is, he has become a motivator. He, he has become a, a point where we can just meet together and rally around something other than Jesus. Jesus is unrecognized as the Lord. Now, now listen, he is considered important and people are willing to give him some honor and some accolades. But if you notice, it's an honor that more resembles the way we honor the flag or the way we honor our national anthem. Right now, my family is getting really nervous. Most of the time, the flag and the national anthem gets more honor than Jesus the Christ who is sitting at the right hand of the Father as I speak. Amen. Amen. Now, now, you can hear that any way you want to hear it. I said what I mean. People get more upset if this is my last Sunday I want you to know it's been great and man tell you we're going on vacation and you can believe the junk out of that but listen to me I mean what I say we lose our dang mind if somebody don't put their hand over their heart. Yep. We, we will create an up, we will create the scene of all scenes. Let someone not honor a red, white, and blue cloth. We will not hesitate. I, those of you that are still engaged, thanks for coming. The, the, rest, the rest of you that are trying to find a verse to dispute that you ain't going to find it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. My allegiance is to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am proud and thankful to be an American. And I thank everyone who has served in the capacity of our military system. You, I, I, absolutely. But you need to hear this little preacher. I will not ever, ever, ever honor a flag or a song over the one who is the king of kings who gave his life not just so that I can be free, so that I can live for the rest of eternity in heaven. Hey, they, they ain't no soldier done that. Ain't no soldier done that.
church. Church, man. Their social media blows up. They took a they took a knee. My God! America's going to hell. He took a knee. Nobody bothered to say, hey man. Let's have a conversation about this. I am so glad. I am so glad there are still people in this world that give their complete allegiance to the creator of the universe. Those are the people I will follow. Those are the folks that get my respect above all. Some of the speeches that are, we, when's the last time you got so jacked up and bent out of shape that your Jesus was dishonored? When was the last time? Jesus is still Lord whether we give him the credit or not. But in the church in 2019, most of the time he's a Jesus and Lord that is unrecognized because we have placed our focus of honor on other things and other people. I'm not saying they don't deserve honor, but they don't deserve more honor than Jesus. We, if we don't grasp this, Listen to, if we don't grasp this, why would the Spirit of God come and give us the power to change the world and to save this neighborhood for the cause of Christ? I, I say all that to say, just, just, like the, just like the flag, which I love, man, I got a flag in my office. And, and, and just like the national anthem, I mean, I don't like, I just don't like the song, but that's not important right now. I, I, like, I, like, I like what it says, I guess, but it's just a weird tune. Nobody can hit that note. It freaks me out. I mean, Whitney Houston could, so I'll give her some props, but outside of that, Dolly Parton probably could, but... Dave Grohl could, but it would be kind of a little more... What was I talking about? Uh, so, 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 so we have, we have, we have a flag and we have a song, and they are symbols of patriotism. They are symbols of our belief system and our allegiance. Come on, Jesus has become a symbol of Christianity, but not the heart of Christianity. Check, check, one, one, check. Jesus has become the symbol of Christianity and not the heart of Christianity. He's unrecognized. And we can sing, we can preach, we can raise our hands, we can lose our dang minds, we can weep over sin in the week after week gatherings that we come here. But I'm less concerned about the week after week gatherings than I am the day-to-day living where someone else calls the shots in our life. I 
love, I love it though, man, because when the load gets too heavy, we love it when Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who, every nationality who <laughs> all you who are weary you don't got to look like me you don't got to act like me you, you, I, you don't have just hey as long as you ain't working in customer service I don't care what you say I don't even care how you say it we're having real talk it's a family meeting right okay alright I'm, I'm just checking let's check and see if you're still with me all you who are we like that part Man, we will fall on our face. God, this load, this load. I can't bear this load. I can't bear this load. <laughs> when we're worried, we are so glad. In John 14, he said, don't let your hearts be. Aren't you glad he said that? But, <laughs> but yet. And then when the anthem is over. Rocket's red glare is a memory. Or when the last verse of Amazing Grace is sung and the preachers shook everybody's hand, somehow someone else is handed the voice of authority. When my Bible says there is but one and his name is Jesus. Men have determined the moral standards of the house of God. Oh, we've prettied it up. We call them bylaws. But man has determined moral standards. That's jacked up. That's wrong. Do you, do you understand that's wrong? Good, thank you. You were looking at me like, what's up? Man has determined... Moral standards for the church. Committees set the objectives and the methods by which these objectives shall be received and achieved in the church. That's wrong. Yeah. It, it. Oh man, this is 22. But not only has Christ's authority become unconsidered and unrecognized, when authority is taken away, a lack of influence follows closely behind. I said when authority is taken away, a lack of influence follows very, 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 very closely behind. I, I, won't, I won't spend the time to give you all of the natural examples of what happens when authority figure leaves a household. Eventually, influence is lost. Yeah. See, I'm not saying that Jesus is completely disregarded. I'm saying that, with, and I'm saying without apology, but in love, uh, that his authority has been diminished. Yeah. It's been diminished in our life. It's been diminished in the church. 
think of it like the way that you and I learned about great historical figures. If, if you can think back as that far, it's a struggle for me to go back that far. But I remember learning about Abraham Lincoln in, in school. We were taught about his integrity. We were taught about his honesty. We were taught about his big old hat. We were taught about that funky beard. Uh, we, we were taught these things about... Uh, we, we were taught about his love. There have been books written on the wisdom in his quotes. We, we learned these things about Abraham Lincoln. But all of those things are nothing more than just good examples that fade into our past and they become more unreal every year we get older and have less and less influence on us as time goes by because we don't talk about Abraham Lincoln every day. So it is with Jesus. Jesus is not the center of the church. Oh, I mean, he is. Don't, don't mishear me. He is. But we forgot. Jesus should be the center of your home. Jesus should be the center of your life. You want to keep a short leash on sin? Make Jesus the center of your life. Because conviction will hit you like nobody's biz. All the saved people said amen. See, the idea that Jesus, the Son of God, has absolute and final authority over the whole church and absolute and final authority over everyone who claims to be a Christ follower, it, it, it's hard to accept. And so why do I say that the Lord is unrecognized in the church? Because the church has created a manageable deity. One that we call on when we need. One that we worship when we have time. One that we commune with. If I get up in time. One that I can just decide for whatever reason that I'm just going to lay down his book, which is the manual for my life, and I'm going to stop bending a knee. In fact, I'm going to go dabble a little bit in something because I, 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 I've changed the way I think about the book. I he didn't mean that. Here comes the serpent. Before you know it, you stop and you will say, what am I doing? How did I get here? I'll tell you how you got here. You got here the same way you walked away. <laughs> and you get back the same way. One step at a time. Thankfully, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, we agree with him. He's right. I'm wrong. If we do that, he will faithfully and, I mean, without question, he is faithful. He is just to forgive you and to forgive me of all our sins. How can he do that? Because he has all authority. And you can be realigned. Amen. What are some of these 
manageable deities? What are some of the characteristics? He said, Jeff, how can, how, okay, Jeff, how can I recognize if that has happened to me? If, if, if the Lord is not on his throne in my life, I, I understand that he is in reality, but how do I know if I've created a manageable deity? You'll know because you will excuse disobedience. Yeah. Oh, you've got a reason. You got a reason for why you did what you did. You will rationalize dishonor. Mm. You will allow for and even make a way for pleasing the flesh. Jeff, how do I know if I've created a manageable deity and Jesus ain't on his throne in my life? Well, we've replaced the gospel with a warm speech on love and we compromise his standards. God help us. I call the church back to Jesus. <laughs> I tell you, when, 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 when Jesus is a Lord unrecognized, because we've made him a servant of us instead of us serving him. It, it creates an environment. Thank you, Jesus. It creates an environment where conviction is little, but correction is much. That's what I want to say. When Jesus is not the Lord of our lives and the Lord of our church, it binds conviction and accelerates control and correction. Listen, we... we, we we don't need to pray and ask God to bless what we've planned. We don't need to pray and ask God to bless what we've planned. We need to pray and ask God to give us the plan that he's already blessed. That's how you know Jesus is Lord. We should be embarrassed. The church should be embarrassed. Jeff Burke should be embarrassed at the amount of time I promote ourselves on social media instead of praying for ways that we can promote Jesus Christ. You know, we, we, shouldn't, have, we shouldn't have to call a meeting and have... 27 people in a meeting to discuss moral issues. We need to do what the Bible says to do and go to an individual. And, and go with the word and go with brokenness. Amen. Here's the dichotomy. We, we read verses like Matthew 28, 18 where Jesus said, I've been given all authority on heaven and in heaven and on earth. And then we th we just we kind of shuck and jive around that a little bit and and we forget that Jesus said that and we try to skirt around the real issues of the church and we do things our way instead of allowing God to have all authority and let him call the shots Jesus is lord 
but he is a Lord unrecognized. Finally, Jesus is Lord, but he is a Lord we've made upside down. And there's two reasons that I believe we are powerless where the Lord has been stripped of his freedom to reign in the church, creating an upside down faith. What do I mean by that? That which was right now is wrong, and that's what was wrong is now right. And you know, it's best if we just split the middle of the road. I ain't split the middle of the road, Jack. I and you are going to pursue holiness. That's God's design, man. That's God's design. God's design is not how close can I get. God's design is that we flee. We flee. We flee from evil. You still with me? Local church should be the model of conduct for Christ's followers. We read about it in 1 Timothy. We should be elevating the authority of Jesus Christ, but instead we are elevating tradition and religion. We are elevating tradition and religion. Jesus came to set people free and left you and I here to see that happens by meeting him in his house and getting the instructions and teaching to go out and bring them in. Thank you, Jesus. But instead... Status quo is okay. I'm going to tell you right now, I am probably more than anybody else in the room, I hate change. Hate it. Not, not good at it. Got to talk to myself through it. Kim's got to talk to me through it. We'd be coming home after being on the road. We'd be coming home. She'd call me about Cincinnati. Just want you to know, I rearranged the furniture, so just prepare yourself. So that, that's the truth. Is it not the truth? She would call me and have to tell me because I would come in and I'd be like, what, and, what is happening here? I, you're like, man, you need to get help. That ain't no joke. I've been, I've been told that all my life. I probably should. See, 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 I, I told you that I don't like change. Because I, I want you to know that I understand that the church doesn't like change. I understand. But I don't understand the fear of being bold for the cause of Christ. I don't understand changing the way you and I live because we're afraid of what people think. I, 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 that I don't understand. That's actually really the opposite of how every Christ follower operated in Scripture. Galatians 1.10 said, obviously, I love that word, obviously, there's a, there's, a, there's a tone of sarcasm here. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If I'm pleasing people and if it were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Now feel the weight of that for a minute. One of the biggest hurdles I had to get over when we started Living Water, and I'm so thankful for what my father modeled to me, because it was through that legacy and through the conviction of the Spirit and the Word of God and prayer and, and my wife and probably my kids I, I, I wondered what you thought about that message way back in the day. 
can't say that. I can't say that because, yeah, that's going to, that's going to be a little rough. Okay, so, can't say. I don't prepare messages like that anymore. Um, not because I don't care. I care more than you could imagine. But it's because, obviously, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I couldn't be his servant. We are elevating tradition and religion. Let me close with this. We are elevating head knowledge over heart change. I told you I was going to not just tell you the problem, but some solution. If you are elevating tradition and religion over the authority of Jesus Christ, you know it because Jesus told you that when I said it. So what you do with it is on you. Head knowledge over heart change. Here's what I see in church. I told Miss Kim this last night. Not, not telling it to her, saying, this is what God told me. And God's confirmed this in me. In many cases in the church, you still with me? Look up here. In many cases, I told you, we're, I'm getting right close. In many cases in the church, far too many cases, studying, seeking knowledge, learning, Digging deeper, it's not so much birthed from an insatiable thirst of learning and knowing more about Jesus as it is a desire for a reputation of being learned. You, you can quote a verse. I used to make fun of dad all the time. Dad's on my heart today. Um, rest his soul. I'm a little jealous of him right now. But I used to make fun of dad all the time when we'd be on the road playing because I don't think he ever got a verse right ever when he was quoting a verse. <laughs> and, but the, the cool thing was, was that, I mean, it was sincere. He, I mean, he thought he was nailing it. And oddly enough, the way he said it made more sense than... <laughs> but that's not important right now, but... I used to make fun of Dad for that. And then, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's Dad, I don't know if it's God, I don't know if it's just the gene pool, but man, I'm telling you the truth. I, I can throw a verse at you, and I couldn't tell you the address of that verse if you had a million dollars in a trash can ready to hand it to me. I... Um, Hezekiah 4.1. <laughs> Some of you are looking for Hezekiah. That's, 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 not, a, that's not a legit book. Well, studying and seeking knowledge is not so much birth from an insatiable thirst for learning as it is a desire for a reputation of being learned. This is how the enemy gets in. We listen to everybody. We want to hear everybody's opinion on something. I want you to hear something. My opinion doesn't matter about nothing. You, I say it. You go back all the way to November 23rd, 2000, when I started this church, 
with, with some great people. And, and, and I said then, my opinion is not preaching. It's not. You, you want to give me your opinion? May or may not make time for that. So I, I, I'm not here to give opinion. But this is how the enemy gets in. We want to hear everyone's take on a matter. I want to know what God thinks. Because Jesus is authority over all in earth and in heaven. Amen. But, but we're, 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 we're so busy, you know, gleaning little crumbs underneath the table like a poor widow woman than... God, what in my life is not lining up with this book? I don't need to tell everyone via social media and post a picture of four Bibles and 17 commentaries laid out. So that why are you doing that? I don't understand. How is Jesus getting glory from that? And while I'm on the subject, I don't care what you're eating either. <laughs> different sermon for a different day. But now here's where the enemy gets in. Get, can't wait for my time with the Lord. Well, then what in the cat are you doing on Facebook? If it's the time for the Lord. I don't know. Maybe I'm just stupid. I don't know. I'm just whack. I'm telling you is how the enemy gets in. Listen to 40 podcasts a day. Luke 12, verse 54 through 56. Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower, and you're right. When you see south winds blow, you say, Today will be a scorcher, and it is. You fools! You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. The enemy does not have to attack with great demonstration. He comes through the front door. And if you're not a spirit-filled follower of Christ, you'll embrace him. And you won't know it. Till Jesus knocks you upside to knock. See, friends, there's no other way of seeing things. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Let me end with the question I started with. Who's calling the shots? Who's calling the shots? We're talking about the church, yes, but you're the church. Amen. Who's calling the shots? Who's calling the shots in your life? Uh, I, I just want you to answer honestly. I don't need to know. You don't have to confess nothing to me. But you do have to give an account someday for who's calling the shots. Jesus is Lord. He is the king. We are his bride. 
we have misplaced honor and forgotten and unrecognized the one who has all authority. I close with these verses. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder, Paul said. Now others are building on it. Praise the Lord. But whoever is building on this foundation has got to be careful. And they've got to be careful for no one can lay any foundation other than the one who we already have. Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. In other words, I couldn't care less about your methods. I'm, I'm concerned of your motives. Amen. I know your methods, man, that doesn't, that doesn't that's why, man, I, I just don't get, I've been out of shape about methods. I, I will stand firm on the message. He says, Anyone who builds on that foundation, what foundation? The foundation of Jesus Christ may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The motive. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Please feel the weight of verse 15. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. I believe there's one of three choices you can make today. One, some, as I said, will be very frustrated and aggravated and accuse me of legalism. Or old-fashioned, whatever. I'm, I'm old, I know that. So you, you may receive it like that. And that may be your choice. You can be critical. Or, others will nod in a general agreement. Because it's Sunday and that's what we do. And leave unchanged. You're nodding because you, you agree with the word. You agree with what's been said today. You agree with what's been communicated. But you're not going to make a change. And then there's a third choice. And that is, we seek God's face and not his hand. And for the next couple of minutes, we ask him, Have I taken myself off of my throne of my heart and put you on that throne because you are the only one that deserves to be there? See, that's the question to ask. Then the answer to who's calling the shots is the Sunday school answer. Jesus. Or we can just continue to go through the motions of church and one day say, hmm, I didn't even know the Lord had left this place. God, may it never be. What's your choice today? Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I thank you for your word and I thank you, God, that you have opened up my eyes, opened up my heart. I receive this message from me today, Lord Jesus. God, I need it. I thank you for what you've taken me through the past several weeks to demonstrate your authority so that I can preach this with a clear conscience. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would keep this in front of me. Oh, may I never lose sight of it. And I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for those who are already moving out of their seats and coming to this altar. God, we're not going to do anything religious from this point on. For the rest of our time here today, we are going to honor you. You get all the glory. And if anything good happened here today, it's because of you. In Jesus' name. What's your choice today? If you know, not, not, not because of guilt, because guilt's not a motivator. If you know, if the Spirit has convicted you of in and out and in and out, and the enemy snuck in like a serpent, and Jesus is not the Lord of your life, I invite you to join these who have already come. I, myself, will be kneeling in prayer. So I won't even know if you come or not, but I beg you, don't leave here unchanged. There's nothing magic about this place up here. It's wood and it's carpet, but it is symbolic of all through the scripture. An altar is a place where something came to die, and that something today is you in our way. You and our throne. I pray that you would not leave here without knowing that Jesus is the Lord of your life. God bless you. Thank you for your time and your attention.